Hello, friends. Welcome to the Crossroad Podcast. Carl, Elise, good to see you both. Good to see you, sir. Hello. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so I, I hope that everybody's doing well and that the, the two of you are enjoying this fine summer weather. Is that the case or how are you feeling about things? I'm from Fargo. So anything over 75 is really not manageable for me. But I don't care for the humidity as we discussed last week, but other than that, you know, it's a good excuse to be at the lake. Oh, yes. Yes, that is very true. Well, our, uh, our practice for the day is walk. W-A-L-K, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> We're going to be making a yakisoba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's our four-letter word for the week is walk. Um, and I think uh, at least you chose a fantastic text for us that I think uh, Carl's going to read. So. Yeah, so this is Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19 from the NRSV. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the Lord, entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. After that little slip, I was going to question your orthodoxy, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> It's always a good policy. Always a good policy. Orthodoxy should be challenged at every turn. <laughs> Very good. I agree. Well, at least tell us, since you chose the text, what's, uh, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Well, I, I chose it because um, Paul has plans to arrest uh, some 
members of the way, some Christians, and lead them away um, into captivity. Um, so a very sad walk for them. But instead, uh, God sends like a strobe light, flashing, wonderful uh, light show and, and uh, foils Paul's plans. And then he's led by the hand uh, to a new, a new way of being. Um, so I chose it because I, I think that on our own walks with Jesus, we often enter into it with a, with a goal or a plan, and then we're foiled by Jesus, for Jesus uh, and his purposes, which makes me mad every time, but the Lord will win. That's a great, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great little sermon, actually. Um, I especially appreciated the strobe light part. It made me think like, cause maybe it was like some kind of disco ball that like dropped down. And, like, I was thinking like a German, like a discotheque, yeah. you know? Right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking too, actually, of a German discotheque, which is like, uh, it's old wild experience. Um, and it would not, and you know, would knock you on your feet too, or off your feet, I should say. Absolutely. What are you thinking, Carl? Well, this is a great story. And one of the things that has always struck me about it is the, um, how, how name works in it. Um, so authority is given to Saul to bind all who invoke the name of Jesus. Um, that's what Ananias or how Ananias puts it earlier. It's, um, for any who, who are followers of the way, right? The, that descriptive phrase for the early Christian movement. Um, but the invocation piece I really like because it, it then um, shifts and Paul or Saul is going to be the one who brings that name and suffers for the sake of that name. So the name stuff sort of weaves its way throughout the story. And then and this may be a slight stretch, but in terms of baptismal theology, you get this shift in Paul. He, he was one who could bind people who invoke the name of Jesus. And then he gets the name of Jesus put upon him. And uh, he's, he is a walking invocation of the name of Jesus after this story. So I just think it's a, it's really intricately uh, told. And I've, I've just kind of thought that was really cool. Oh, that's a beautiful way of putting it, Carl. You know, I, I know, obviously know that, you know, Paul didn't write the book of Luke, um, but whenever I read this story, I am, um, I'm always reminded of in Romans 5, uh, let's see, oh yeah, in Romans 5 verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And so this notion that God comes to God's own enemies, you know, that Jesus comes to his own enemies um, and, and seeks to reconcile with them, I think is a, it's just powerful to contrast those two texts or to put them next to one another and say, Paul isn't just speaking here in some kind of theoretical way. In some way, that's like autobiography is theology <laughs> when you read Romans, you know? Yeah, that's really nice. 
I think the other thing that I really appreciate too is, of course, Paul, like you said, at least goes on this remarkable journey. And Carl, you know, it's a it's a journey of a journey of the name, in which that journey is kind of marked by his name. I think Ananias also goes on a journey too, and I mentioned in the pre party, <laughs> the pre funk, um, that uh, uh, that Ananias is is really my favorite character in 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 the book of Acts, and the reason is because. He's sort of, I, I I appreciate that he has this kind of enabling role. And I mean that in the best possible way, not like enabling a bad habit, but he, he's kind of this guy that comes alongside Paul at a critical moment and he's attentive to the spirits calling to him, even though it's something that he personally resists and rightfully so it's kind of dangerous, right? It would seem to me that way, but he, he has this very short, role in Paul's life that brings kind of enlightenment or insight to him at a critical moment and then sends him on his way. And for me personally, I think that is a beautiful image of what it might mean to be a seminary professor Um, and and to kind of live in that vocation for a short period of time. You have a chance to accompany people and then they go off and do what they're, what they're going to do. I like Ananias. Well, that's a, that's actually a, a helpful, um, model for, I think, parish pastors too. And then just to um, prove my orthodoxy, the entire priesthood of all believers, right? um, that if we approach our, our life as Christians as a chance to accompany others and empower them, um, if we dare do that, uh, what a difference that can make. It's really nice. I also think too that um, as not just as leaders, but as Christians, we each desperately need an Ananias um, in our lives. Um, maybe not just a momentary Ananias. I, I wonder often what Saul, Paul's relationship was with Ananias, like out of the pages of the Bible. Um, if they kept, he wrote a lot of letters, so I wonder if they had like a cute correspondence. They had the their future. own emoji. Yeah, <laughs> but I just, I love the um, sort of the parenting image of Ananias and, you know, Saul is really reborn. There's this light shining and then he has to be led by the hand like a little child. Um, and he can't, you know, he had, all his faculties are just gone. He can't see. He's, he's totally dependent on other people um, when he's maybe used to being the one to call all the shots and and I think it's just a reminder um, that there are lots of times when we're going to be Saul and it's going to be hard to ask for help. And Jesus is really going to mess us up. <laughs> and then, you know, we definitely need to be Ananias. And there, I, I know that there are a lot of difficult people um, that personally I've been called to, to walk with and be with that. Hey, hey, I didn't hey. really want to. The entire staff at Lutheran <laughs> Church of the Good Shepherd is in an uproar. No, 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 no. Not a, not a Good Shepherd. Just like Carl, in life. Generally. Carl is feeling really insecure today, I can tell. <laughs> First, it was the orthodoxy thing. He felt like he had to prove that he was a real, like a real orthodox Christian. Now, it's a workplace I, insecurity thing. <laughs> oh, no. I do love that Ananias gives his reasons, but goes anyway. Like, um, you know, Michael was saying that this is, this is potentially really dangerous. Saul is breathing threats of murder. And I can, I always think 
of this moment when he puts his hands on Saul that Ananias lets out probably like this big sigh, like, ugh, brother Saul, here's your commission. Like, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't want to say it, but here we go. And, you know, I think that there's room for distaste <laughs> in our lives as Christians that we have to acknowledge and, and move on from with other people. I, I think that's, that's a really good point, at least. And I think the, it, it's, it's telling that the person to whom Ananias is called is not the same person that his preferences would lead him to or that his disposition, or even that like facts would lead him to. <laughs> this, I mean, nothing that Ananias says is incorrect. It's not like he has a bias or something that, you know, is based on incorrect information about Saul. All of it's true that Saul has been doing these things and he has been a danger to the, to the people. But it just, it just kind of shows like the, the spirit is so strange. I was thinking again about Jesus' own um, being thrown out into the wilderness, right? And uh, after his baptism in the way that I think we often equate the work of the spirit with sort of peace and love and fuzzies. But often the spirit's job is to throw us into the snake pit or, or into adversity. And this is just one example where Ananias is thrown into what I think is a pretty scary situation. So, um, throwback shout out. Uh, my friend Hans Wiersma, who teaches at Oxford University, um, years ago, about 20 some years ago, uh, did a confirmation curriculum, a video-based confirmation curriculum, interestingly, since we're do talking about walk, called Road Trip. And it was, it was really quite good. And one of the, the I, think, I think the only thing that Hans himself was in, it, the rest of it he was writing and directing, um, he was Paul talking about this conversion experience. And um, he points, uh, in, in that lesson, uh, Hans points to 2 Corinthians where Paul's talking about how a thorn is given him um, to keep him from being too elated. And Hans's interpretation was, ever after this event, Paul's vision was compromised. So he's wearing sunglasses as he does the shtick, right? I just thought it was kind of a great way to get at, um, so what what it, what did it look like for Paul after this? And a, you know, a playful way of um, that's the, also the power made perfect in weakness stuff, right? That Paul goes from this position of authority and power to um, he's converted to those over whom he had power and gets to live it out. So anyway, you can't find Road Trip anywhere, but go find it. It was fantastic. <laughs> but go find. Was it was it made on VHS? Wasn't that old? It was CDs yeah. oh, or okay. DVDs, early DVDs. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, this is such a rich text, Elise. I'm so glad you directed us to it. I wonder any kind of other comments from, from y'all. Yes. My sound was off. It is on now. Um, I like... I like that, I, I find this text to be really hopeful. And on my grumpier days, um, when I get frustrated that people don't change at the pace that I would prefer, um, this text gives me lots of joy because it's so, it's such a 
fast turnaround for Paul. And I know it's probably, um, it probably isn't this immediate for an average person in their walk with Jesus. Um, but it gives me hope that people actually can change and people can be transformed by the power of God. Um, and um, so I find it to be a really optimistic story. And I, I think it speaks a lot of hope into my spirit when things get kind of stagnant feeling. God, that's nice. Yeah, that is. I appreciated what you said, especially at the beginning, Elise, about how kind of uh, Jesus sort of wrecks our plans. And, and I think when sort of when our plans get wrecked, that's often the time where we're like sort of crying out like, oh, God, like save me. Um, but sometimes the answer back is, this is exactly what <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there, right? You're, you're, you're weak. I'm, I'm right there in your weakness, you know, in this moment of like intense vulnerability when you're, you know, what you thought was going to happen didn't actually happen when the road took like a, you know, a left when you thought it was going to go right or something like that. And um, yeah, when the plans get defeated, I think that was the language you use. I can't remember, but. Foiled. Foiled. Yeah. I like it there's so many reasons to love this story. The other thing that I love um, is that Paul, Paul thinks he's doing a good job. Paul thinks he's the most holy, the most zealous, the most helpful to God and God's people. Um, I think it would be so difficult to have Jesus himself say, please stop persecuting me or God, you know, from a Christian perspective, God saying, you're really killing me, Smalls. You're really hurting me. <laughs> wow, talk about throwback Thursday. <laughs> I love the Sandlot. Also, I love the a Sandlot great movie. too. <laughs> Has really nothing to do with this text. But but I think we we think that we know exactly what God desires or wants. And then it's really hard when God says that we're we're all turned around and we've got it all wrong. I think there's just so much humility on Paul's part and some of it's forced because of the situation, but I, I'm just really impressed by his ability to change course when he's wrong. And I wish that um, I had more flexibility to do that, but also the people yeah. in the pews and my friends, you know, and your boss. I mean, think about what an inflexible piece of no. <laughs> but, but here's 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 this another Sandlot reference though, that yes. actually does work. So Paul is to Ananias what the beast is to the ch the kids. Remember, be the beast is the dog, the big uh, the big, and they're all afraid of it. And like when they dream about it or when they think about it, it's like this monstrous thing, right? <laughs> It's, it's and he's huge. like the sweetest boy. And he's like the sweetest dog. And and James Earl Jones is amazing in all cases. Um, the the old Although man the wasn't. Beast... Doesn't he play the old man? He does. Yeah. He yeah. does. He does. He does. Although the beast is a little dangerous. I mean, he's a big scary dog to baseballs. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a baseball, you were a baseball. <laughs> they get and like the, is more the baseball. They get the mother load of baseballs then, right when they. Yeah. sort of get over their trepidation and, and wade into it. So there's a, yeah, there's a metaphor for the Christian life. Endless baseballs, if you can stomach it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, friends, it's great to see you. So yeah, once again, the practice is walk, uh, walk the bases, I guess. Um, is, is well, <laughs> will we do that again soon? Will it happen? Baseball? Uh, oh, baseball, baseball. I love baseball. <laughs> what a great um, ending. Yeah. This podcast. <laughs> it's great to see the two of you. Um, thank you, Elise, for that great text selection. Really wonderful. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye.